1: Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveX Live in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now.
2: It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any. Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday presented by you. Those of you that not only listen, you go above and beyond because you want to be a winner. I want winners. I want people that want to win. So do I, Mike Singletary. I want people, I want listeners like Rhonda Farrell Brookhouse. Rhonda. Beryl Brookhouse, she liked the Even Money podcast from Wednesday on Facebook. Think about that. Think about how easy that was for my girl, Rhonda. And now, Rhonda, if you'd like a signed card, if you'd like a signed picture, whatever you would like, just let me know. Whatever you like. Whatever you like. What, what's that from, Brian? you know?
2: No, I don't. Tell me.
0: Um... Uh, I'll give you more back I'll give you more backstory um what kind of food do you like whatever you like what what do you like to do for fun whatever you like you know what that is i don't that's the um that's the princess the arranged princess in coming to America oh my gosh Martin I haven't Murphy. seen
2: that one in forever so no I would not have gotten that.
0: And he's like, yeah, let me... I don't want someone that... I want someone that has a brain. Whatever you like. Whatever you like. Anyway... Are you excited for the sequel? Is there a sequel?
2: There's one coming out, yeah.
0: So you don't know that line, but you know the sequel? That there's a sequel coming out? Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, anyway. Rhonda Farrell Brookhouse. All you had to do was like... The Even Money Podcast, we posted on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Or if you retweet or like anything on Instagram or Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL, at RTF Podcast. Intern Casey, Penn State's finest figure skater, is now doing the IG post. So you're going to want to follow at RTF Podcast. But the bottom line, Rhonda, is you can get whatever you like. Sponsor confirmation email winner, Sam Resnick. He ordered the lawnmower 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever it's called from Manscaped.com. Used the code money. So Sam, much like Rhonda, whether it's a signed picture or a signed card, I'm all out of press passes, but signed picture or signed card, you can have whatever you like. You know what I like, Bri? On Fridays, I like how many people are so fired up about co-sells concepts. How about a little personnel groupings? But first, I need to give a shout out to Chris Bullock. He is today's patron, patron of the day, patreon.com slash RT Media. Love that we have a new patron every day, and we will be having a new virtual happy hour soon. So hopefully I can have a daddy soda and get a chance to meet a few of you if you go over to patreon.comslash RT Media. It's big show time. The big show. Greg, the feedback we've gotten for these co sells concepts segments have been unbelievable. Before we get to them today, I did want to ask you, I had a listener, Joe Rosnowski took advantage of one of our sponsors and had a very specific question, not just for me, but for you about Bryson Hopkins. I guess he thought he was a curious pick given the fact that they already have Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a question I can't answer because I don't know what the Rams' uh, view is. I think Everett is probably – probably both of them are getting close to the end of their contracts. Uh, I know Everett is for sure. So, again, I don't know how that plays into it. But just to speak about Hopkins, the player, uh, he's another one of those athletic tight ends. Now, he can line up on the line of scrimmage as well, and I think he was competitive as a blocker, but he's athletic. You can detach him from the formation – um, he's very good run after catch. I thought he had a pretty good sense of route running uh, for a college tight end. His biggest issue, and different people have different points of view on this, Ross, was drops. He had too many, too many routine drops. Now, whether they're concentration or focus drops or whether there's an issue with his hands, I can't answer that. But that was the one thing that stood out. But I thought that he his athletic talent and movement ability – was arguably better than fourth round, particularly in today's NFL where tight ends can become factors uh, detached from the formation.
0: So uh, it's a good good question by Joe Rosnowski since we're going to go over personnel groupings, actually um, tight ends play a huge factor in that. Although I do want to ask you one question about Michael Thomas. I saw you posted something on Twitter at Greg Cosell about Michael Thomas. And yep. someone said that there's been a lot of debate, I mean, what am I mi- Like, what's the debate? He's awesome. I, I don't what, think
3: there's a debate at all. Uh, I think the only thing you would say that he that he's not very very good at is the fact that he's not a f- true vertical dimension. He's not necessarily going to run by people. But I think in today's NFL and particularly on the team that he's on, that's almost irrelevant. Um, Keep in mind that he lines up in many spots, and that says something about a player as well. Uh, Now, we know that Sean Payton has always been very big on, and this will lead into our discussion, very big on multiple personnel packages and multiple formation looks. But when a receiver can line up all over the formation, and that gets into the whole concept of receiver splits and how that changes routes and how they're run. Michael Thomas can do all that. That says a lot about his understanding of their offense and his ability to execute at a high level, snap after snap. I really don't see what any question should be about Michael Thomas.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I don't either. I, I was confused as to what the debate was. I mean, I don't know what what more you want the guy to do. And I'll say this, Greg. I noticed this when I was a player and I feel like even more as an analyst. You know, physical ability is terrific. It, re- it really is. But to me, the guys that really excel on a consistent basis are usually the guys that have the most football intelligence, awareness, instincts and it's almost like a uh, you know, the basketball players that when they say they get in the NBA All-Star game Everybody out there kind of sees things, you know, a, right. a step or two ahead, almost like Wayne Gretzky, if you will, go where the puck's going to be, not where it is. I feel like there's a lot to be said there with football. I've told the story before. He's going to come on the show, by the way, in the next couple of weeks. But Ray Lewis is the best player I ever played against. And he, he more than any guy I ever went against, Greg. He knew what we were running based on our formation and our motion intensity, Or at least he had a real good idea right. of what was coming. Right. People have well, no one idea other, how one important other football intelligence is. It,
3: it, it, it plays to Michael Thomas as well. Look, if you're in the NFL, everybody's competitive to a certain extent. But even at the NFL level, in every professional sport, there are some guys whose just competitiveness is a little different than others. You know that. You played. And Michael Thomas is super competitive. And I think that's a factor, particularly at the wide receiver position, where you're going to have contested plays, and he's just really competitive.
0: So let's get into personnel groupings. And i got a, a, several specific questions for you. I think I've said this to the listeners before, Greg, but just to summarize, anytime you're watching TV or you're listening to radio, personnel groupings relate to the number of skill guys that are out on the field. Correct. And the first number you hear is always the number of running backs on the field. The second number you hear is always the number of tight ends on the field, and everybody else is a receiver. It, it's Correct. that easy. So 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. That means three wide. receivers. It always
3: adds Correct. up to five.
0: 12 Correct. Personnel, There's five
3: eligible receivers on every play.
0: Right. 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Always adds up to five. First number running back. Second number, uh, tight end, 12, 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, again, two receivers. So let me, ta- let me say this, piggybacking off of what you said about Sean Payton. Let's start from a holistic approach, Greg. Why does Sean Payton use so many different personnel groupings, a.k.a. why does he think it's so important to use so many personnel
3: groupings? Well, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's try to keep it from A to B to C. Personnel groupings and formations go together. Now, when you start with personnel offensively, and we're obviously speaking in normal down-and-distance situations. So when you start with personnel, based on your film study, you're anticipating that the defense will put personnel on the field to match your personnel. So, for instance... If you're going to line up with either two backs or two tight ends or three tight ends then the assumption based on film study is that the defense will line up in what is called a base defense meaning that they will only have four defensive backs on the field so based on film study you're anticipating that it's all based on tendency and probability now when you line up in, in base personnel on offense, meaning that you only have two wide receivers on the field, you can do that formationally in any number of ways. You can be a team like the Tennessee Titans and just line up pretty much in tight formations and say, here's Derrick Henry. Here we come. You're going to have to stop him. And the defense will line up in base and they'll play very tight because they anticipate a run inside. But as Sean Payton does, as Bill Belichick does exceptionally well, what a lot of teams do is they will put out base personnel, let's say 12, meaning one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and they'll spread the formation because they know from film study that the defense will line up in base defensive personnel, meaning only four defensive backs on the field, and then the offense will spread the formation. A lot of teams, like the Saints, like the Patriots, will line up in empty sets out of base personnel, meaning that there's no one in the backfield other than the quarterback. And that forces the defense to have to do certain things. What you're always trying to do with your use of personnel and formation is you're trying to get the defense, one, in predictable looks, meaning predictable front looks and predictable coverage looks, or force them to have to react in a way that they're not comfortable. And very often they respond to that by going to what are called default fronts or default coverages, meaning their base front, which you know from film study, and their base coverage, which you know from film study. So that's why personnel is so important.
0: That was a really, really good answer uh, on a lot of different levels.
3: A lot. There's so, a lot to unpack there. I mean, we'll try to do the best we can in more detail, but there's a lot. You know this. There's, a, there's always a lot going on.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So I want to take a step back. One thing I want to mention that I think, I, I don't know, Greg, I think it's interesting. Maybe other people won't, right? Offenses, look, I, I had nine, I think, offensive coordinators in, in the NFL. Never once did I play on an offense where they called it 11 personnel or 12 personnel or whatever. That is actually what the defense calls it. Right. And, and the, all the teams uh, I played for, like multiple teams I played for, Detroit was 12 personnel. Detroit was right, the two tight end set. Yeah. Right. So it's just interesting because I think people look at it and they're like, they're so used to 11, 12. When you're actually on the offense and you're on the team, they don't say like, hey, let's go to 11 personnel. They say, let's go to Detroit or let's go to whatever to, you know, Some teams
3: have the word ace. You know, they call something ace. Those are just names. That's like ordering a hamburger is different in the United States than it is in France. It's just said differently, but it's all the same.
0: Right. Okay. So then here's, a, here's another question. Based on what you just talked about, about the Saints and the Patriots and uh, makes perfect sense. Get the two tight ends out there and 12 personnel. You're going to think, oh, man, they got they got two tight ends. They're going to they could be running the ball down our throat here with seven blockers. Let's make sure we've got seven guys in the front. We only need four DBs. Then they split out you know back in the day Gronkowski and Hernandez it's like oh wow now that now they're kind of in 10 personnel now they have you know now they have uh four wide receivers or maybe they even put the running back out and now that now now they're now they're in uh zero personnel um so uh here's my next question um there are teams and i think maybe the rams are one of them that they're almost exclusively 11 personnel. And I see that a lot in college too, Greg, where they just stay in the same personnel grouping pretty much the whole game. Um, I've asked some coaches about it, and it's interesting. I want to get your feedback, but one of the things they said is if if you're in 11 personnel the whole game, you kind of know what defense you're going to get the whole game because Correct. you know what they do against 11 personnel. So it allows you to know what defense they're going to be in almost the whole game and attack that defense where you want to attack the defense. Because it's, it's sort of different philosophies between Peyton mixing it up all the time versus a guy that likes to be in the same personnel grouping because he likes to know what he thinks the defense is going to do.
3: It's tendency, probability, and predictability and the comfort of your quarterback. Think back to Peyton Manning. Remember Peyton Manning always wanted Marvin Harrison on the right and Reggie Wayne on the left. Peyton Manning did not want pre-snap motion on offense. He didn't want anybody crossing the formation on his side of the ball, because when you cross the formation on your side of the ball, the defense moves as well. And Peyton Manning did not want the defense to move because he was so smart that he knew that if the defense lined up in a certain way, he could understand what they were doing based on film study so it's all based on tendency probability and predictability that's what you're trying to do as an offense you're trying to create a scenario in which you feel very comfortable nothing's 100 percent but where you feel very very comfortable particularly as a quarterback and that's critical where you know and you, you feel very comfortable as to what you're going to get from the defense. Every defense has tendencies. Every de- you know coordinator has particular fronts he lines up and you know this. Every coordinator has particular coverages that there are their predominant coverages based on personnel that's on the field. So it's all about understanding that based on the personnel you put on the field and then the formations you line up in with that personnel. So that's what it's all about. It's trying to glean as much information before the snap of the ball as possible based on your film study.
0: So, Greg, let's get to in general. Do you feel like there are strengths and weaknesses of certain personnel groupings? In other words, why does it seem like both college and the NFL, 11 personnel is so popular
3: well college is a different animal because the hash marks make the game different the the game is very spread out in college football it's very hard in college football to defend the wide side of the field so teams can really spread out to the wide side of the field and it's just really difficult to defend um the nfl is a little bit different the hash marks are closer the game is played a little more in the middle of the field But a lot of teams line up in 11 personnel more so uh, these days. One reason, I believe, is because then they line up in what would be considered NFL spread formations. And that, number one, it almost always brings the defense Uh, To play with five defensive backs or even six defensive backs depending on the down and distance if it's first and 10 and you line up in 11 personnel as an offense meaning one back one tight end and three wide receivers the defense will almost always line up in sub nickel meaning five defensive backs so you will have a slot corner now. A slot corner is obviously not going to be as good a run defender as a linebacker. So very often teams will do that, and if it's first and ten, they'll run, and they'll run to the slot, the slot side of the defense, uh, the slot side of the offense where, where there's a slot corner, because he's not going to be a great run defender, particularly if he's a smaller player. Uh, so teams don't always throw the ball out of 11 personnel with three wide when it's a normal down and distance situation. Uh, but what you're trying to do is spread the defense. You lighten the box, meaning that there's fewer defenders. Inside the box, and then you can also run the ball more effectively. The blocks, as you well know, Ross being an offensive lineman, become more defined. There's not there's not going to be an unblocked defender for the back that the back has to account for. So you know there's so many elements to all this, but it it all really kind of makes sense.
0: So interesting, Greg. You know the 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 Niners run a lot of twenty one personnel. And even twenty-two personnel, and one thing you notice is because of the prevalence of eleven personnel, um, and even twelve personnel, a lot of defenses don't really know how to fit twenty-one or twenty-two personnel runs because they don't they don't know quite how to fit and deal with a fullback. Because so few teams use fullbacks, so if you have a fullback and a good one not only does it change up the gap fits from what the defense is used to, they're literally not used to taking on lead blocks like that well, or guys that are mobile from out of the backfield. And I, I see some of these guys, when Kyle Juszczyk's coming at them, Greg, they have no idea what to do.
3: No, and that's, that's been a big discussion. Everybody talks about linebackers coming out of college who are 228, 229 pounds, like Patrick Queen of LSU, and they speak about him as the new breed NFL linebacker. Uh, But what was interesting is in the NFL this past year, more teams lined up with a fullback, and it'll be interesting to see because everything is cyclical cyclical if more teams do that going forward. And you mentioned Kyle Juszczyk. Now, when he was healthy he played about 45 percent of the snaps but he does not always line up in the backfield that's a perfect example of what we started with ross he lines up in multiple spots he'll line up as a as a wing tight end he'll line up flexed he'll line up split you know just because he's on the field doesn't mean he's in the backfield as a lead blocker they use him that way for sure and i think you see someone like matt lafleur who came from kyle shanahan has that background um uh you know, draft someone like Josiah DeGura out of Cincinnati, uh, and I think it was a third round pick, and he's probably going to use him in kind of a Kyle check role. You know, players like that who have ability to line up in multiple spots and perform multiple roles and, and force the defense theoretically to play in base.
0: Greg, this is awesome. I feel like we could talk uh, for a lot longer, to be honest with you, but... Um, it, people are really enjoying learning. It's not always easy to do since this is an audio medium. It's not, um, you know, visual. But I think people are getting it, and uh, it seems like people are really enjoying these. Remember, you can uh, email in Ross at rosstucker.com with any ideas you have for a future Gosell concept segment. Greg, you are the best at Greg Gosell on Twitter. Thank you so much as always.
3: Thanks for us. Really appreciate it. All
2: right, Russell, no major news today other than the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's agent denying a report that Prescott turned down a five-year, $175 million deal.
0: Right. So I guess Chris Sims said he had heard that, that Dak had been offered a five-year, $175 million deal. You know, people get so caught up in the numbers. The irony of course is that after Dax deal, Deshaun Watson is going to sign a bigger deal. And Patrick Mahomes is going to sign an even bigger deal. So no one's really going to care all that much about Dax deal. I mean, Dax deal is going to be eclipsed quickly. Like, very quickly. And maybe by a decent amount of money. So, I, I wouldn't get all that worked up in the numbers. And by the way, when the numbers come out like that, that sounds like a lot. How much is guaranteed? How much is in the first couple of years? These details matter. And by the way, five years is locking them up for a while. You know, the reports are that, that Dak would like a shorter deal because when the new TV deals kick in, uh, guys are going to be getting a lot more money than that. In 2022, 2023. So that's why the Cowboys want to lock him up for that fifth year. And that's why Dak doesn't want it. I still think they'll end up getting the deal done. I think he understands the value of being the Cowboys quarterback and they've built a good team around him. I think the Cowboys do not want to have him play this year on the franchise tag because then he's got a lot of leverage going into 2021.
2: other news includes Patriots safety Patrick Chung getting a two-year extension through 2023 the Cowboys defensive end Alden Smith is getting reinstated Redskins rookie wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden releasing a statement that he has had COVID-19 and linebacker Anthony Ciccolo signs with the New Orleans Saints
0: tell you what Brian I'll go in reverse order the uh the Saints are not messing around. I mean, if you look at the Saints roster, there can't be a better roster in the NFL right now. The Saints, like even like bringing in Chicolo, he's pretty good. Like they they are making sure that there is nowhere where they lack depth. I mean, adding Emmanuel Sanders to what they had at receiver last year, along the offensive line, you got Patrick Omame and Nick Easton to be backups, you know, where you, so you feel really good about your first seven guys. They added Adam Troutman in the third round to go with Josh Hill and Jared Cook. You know, you even add guys like uh, Ty Montgomery to go along with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray at running back. Now you get Zach Bond in the third round, Anthony Ciccolo, to go along with, you know, the other linebackers that they have. They just, they're not messing around. They've got depth everywhere. DJ Swearinger's a backup safety. They've got depth at corner. Um, you know, they're bringing in guys on the D-line. It's just, it's very, very impressive the amount of depth that they have. So that's one thing that certainly jumps out to me um, about the Saints. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, you know, it's, I don't know if he was on Liberty's campus or not, but Liberty was like the school that brought kids back to college like in April or something crazy. Um, so I wonder, if that, I wonder if that was when he was there. I wonder if it was when he was at Liberty, although I think he said it was while he was training. Um, but I'm, it's good to hear that he's totally healthy and, and fine now. And I got to tell you, Bri, on some level, that's got to be an awesome feeling, right? Like, you got it. You're over it. You're past it. Like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to, like, be all worried about it. You don't have to, oh, I don't want to get it. Like, no, I already got it, suckas. I'm good. You know?
2: Yeah, assuming that we can't get it again. That like I guess that's still inconclusive, but uh, from what everything we've heard, yes. If you're not going to get it
0: again, then sure. The last thing I read was that You can't get it again. Or even if you do, you're not, um, it's like dead cells or I don't know. The virus is dead. You can't, you're not contagious or something. I don't know. Alden Smith getting reinstated. By the way, just as an aside, it does seem like, and I understand we're learning stuff about the virus every day, but it does seem like there's a lot of information that comes out and a lot of it is not like 100% confirmed yet. So it's kind of hard to know like what's true, what's not. Anyway, uh, Alden Smith getting reinstated. We'll see. I mean, that would be an amazing story if he's able to play at a high level and really help the Cowboys. He hasn't played since 2015. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I think I've ever heard a guy not play in five years. That's crazy. And by the way, you won't hear this anywhere else, Bri but you know my first thought when I see Patrick Chung gets a two year extension when he already had two years left on his deal I have two things that immediately come to my mind and I don't think you'll hear this on any other podcast and this is a former player's perspective there's really only two reasons why you do that okay he signed a 2-year, 6.4 million dollar contract with a 3 million dollar signing bonus, etc. He was already under contract through 2021. And it's not like he got big money, 2 years, 6.4 million. My read on that <clears throat> is that he might have needed the money. Now, I don't know that. That is pure speculation. But when a guy who has two years left on his deal okay, does a two-year extension for a modest amount of money as far as the NFL is concerned, that's like bizarre. So either there's an anticipation that he is going to get suspended because of whatever that drug thing was he he was involved in and the Patriots... Made his base salary for this year the minimum so that when he's suspended, he loses as little money as possible, which is a possibility, or he just kind of needed the money. Because um, I do know guys that have taken extensions, modest extensions, early because they need the money. Like they, they needed, they had reasons why they need the money now. And um, it happens. I don't know if that's the case or not, but. That was my thought. By the way, I don't need the money now, but I love doing cameos for you guys. I just did a cameo for a listener yesterday. Now, I can't say his name because I don't know when the person that um, got the cameo is going to give it to him for his birthday, which is coming up. Uh, But check me out. Cameo, 25 bucks. Video shout-outs. If you ever want a video shout-out for your boy, for any anything, birthday, whatever. Just, I can make fun of your buddies, whatever. I, fun, f- fantasy, gambling, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Just go to Cameo and uh, sign up. Let's get to an email, Bri.
3: Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross.
0: The email address is ross at rostucker.com. Anytime you take advantage of any of our sponsors that are over at Ross dot com on the sponsor page, we guarantee to read and respond to your question. What do you got, Bri? My question
2: uh, is a two parter, Ross. Uh, Number one, what is the hardest technique for an offensive lineman to master and why? And secondly, who performs this technique the best today and who has performed the best in history? I guess that's actually four questions, not two. Uh, All the best. That's from Paul, a Saints fan in Houston. So, Paul,
0: good question. So, I think it really varies. Different offensive linemen will tell you different techniques that they've struggled with. I will say, I think for most guys, and it certainly was the case for me, the punch a and or hand usage in pass protection is the toughest to master, especially the punch. You know, the defensive lineman is coming at you. You want to be able to slow his charge by with either two hands or one hand jabbing or punching and slowing him down, affecting his body. The problem is, And uh, we're actually going to have Joe Thomas, future Hall of Famer, on Monday's show. So I'm going to talk to him about this. The problem is that they can one-arm stab you and you can't, you know, I, I wish in hindsight I had done more independent punching, which is one hand at a time and stuck one hand out. They can still be longer than you, but that way you still have a free hand if you need it. Because if you punch with two hands and they time it right and wipe your hands, you're done. You're, you're in trouble. So I would say it's a punch. I'm not sure who the best puncher is in the NFL right now. That's a good question. I think Quentin Nelson's pretty good at it. I'd have to ask some of the guys playing right now who the best puncher is. I would say all time it was Larry Allen. Larry Allen would punch the crap out of dudes. He would kill dude. So I would say all-time Larry Allen. I'm not sure who the best puncher is right now. It's a good question. There's several guys that do it pretty well. Um, And there's a lot of guys that don't hardly ever punch. They don't really believe in it because you can get beat real bad when you punch. They'd rather sort of uh, reach or grab, keep their weight down. Um, It's a good question, Paul. Shout-outs to the white label group, Pizza Boy Brewing, NFLcliches.com, Dynasty Freaks.com. Shout out as well to yesterday's Fantasy Feast podcast. We had the guru on. John Hansen talking about essentially starting the fantasy football industry in 1994. That was incredible. Highly encourage you to check that out. The Fantasy Feast. And like I mentioned, Monday, we will have Joe Thomas, O lineman. Talking O-line. Plus, I want to ask him just about playing for the Browns his whole career. I saw where he's squatting like heavyweight. What are you doing, Joe? Like What are you doing? So, looking forward to talking to Joe on Monday. Other than that, have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. And, yes, you heard me correctly. We still have a show on Monday. So, if you are doing anything or traveling anywhere on Monday, you will be able to hear... Um the Ross Tucker Football Podcast with Joe Thomas. So encourage you to go ahead and listen on the family drive back from wherever you're going. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.
1: Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done.